this is our annual Thanksgiving celebration service. And it's just, it's different the way we do things. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna start preaching right now. Like I I don't usually say, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna do, I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. Now, while you're turning there, I, uh, man, there's so much that we can give God praise for. Like, aren't you glad just for the simple fact of living in Idaho? Can we just thank God? Man, praise God. I, I, you know, my, when I, we've been here 17 years, we moved out of here from Cincinnati, Ohio. And I remember when in 2001, I went back and told my wife, man, I think God is opening some doors. I just feel, and there's a whole story there, but I just told her, I said, I feel like God is going to open up doors someday for us to minister in Idaho. And my wife, who was born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, she thought that Cincinnati was a small town. She said, do people even live in Idaho? I mean, literally, I'm not making that up. That was her immediate response. And, and we got out here, we love, in fact, I was just back east a couple weeks ago and somebody asked the question, and the, the question that you always get, now, are you in Idaho or Iowa? And which one is where? Like, geography's not taken in the schools. But anyway, they, they, made, they asked, they said, what is, you know, what's so great about Idaho? And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, I mean, we got Snake River Stampede, Caldwell Night Rodeo. I mean, what else do you want, man? We got, you know, you can go, you can go to Jump Creek. Like, like Cincinnati, I'm just telling you, there's no hikes like Jump Creek. Or, you know, you want to go to the top of Table Rock. You want to go, if, if you just want to raft or kayak. I mean, Idaho has it all. We have all kinds of things to do. You can ski bogus. There's, there's so much you can do. And so I'm going on and on. And I'm like, hey, we even got good food. I'm just telling you right now. Thailand Express, right here in Nampa. I'm calling it right now. Right, like, my mouth is starting to water. I'm thinking of garlic chicken with noodle. I'm just, a garlic noodle with chicken. I'm just, little Saigon, you know? And, and, and I'm gonna tell you right now, we got the best Mexican food truck guac and roll in the valley. Just, we've got it right here. And, and then, I remember when we first moved here in 04, we had none of that stuff. It's like a barren wilderness. I'm just telling you. It's like, you know, and, and, and then the Lord smiled upon Idaho. The sky opened, light came down, and we received Chick-fil-A. So I'm like, we got it all. We got it all. Welcome to Idaho. And you're like, hey, this is the weirdest start to a message ever. And I get that. Here's the deal. We talk about what we care about. The things that have impacted us, the experiences, the vacation spots, the food, all of those sort of things. We talk about what we care about. And today, we're gonna be celebrating the only one who can truly satisfy. We're gonna be celebrating the one that has delivered, has showed up, has, has done the impossible in so many of our lives. And if there's a theme that's going to be this morning and then tonight, we'll be talking later about our prayer and praise service. It's going to be at 6.30 this evening. If there's a theme that goes throughout the entire day, it's this right here. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. In Psalm 107, here's what we see. We see a group of people who have been in exile in Babylon for years and they've come back to Jerusalem and they haven't, nothing's the, the way they left it. The city's in ruins. The temple is gone. Everything that that was stability, you gotta understand the temple represented to them the presence of the Lord. and, And they're like, if the temple's not here, has God forgotten us? And so 
Whoever wrote Psalm 107 wrote this psalm to remind them that even in the midst of a situation that you don't understand, even as you're trying to wrap your mind around rebuilding, putting your life back together, there's something I want you to do, and it's not lament your current situation. I want you to remember. And here's what we read, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you're reading out of the NIV translation, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let the redeemed whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. You've come from all over. You've come here. And, and, and if you're together, tell your story. Tell your story about how God brought you to this moment here. And what he does for the next little bit as he goes through this is he, he looks at four groups of people. The first group of people is, is here in, in verse 4. And this, was, this is the wanderer. The one who's been in exile, the one who wasn't able to put down roots, the, the, the one who doesn't have a home. He describes their situation, but then in verse six, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. And we see what God did in delivering. He gave them a home, he gave them a family, he gave them roots. But then he talks to another group of people beginning in, in verse 10, and these are the rebellious people. These are the people who had sinned against God and as a result were suffering the consequences of their sin. They found them enslaved. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You've, ens you've been enslaved by sin. The addiction, the thing that, the, the thing that has you in chains and you cannot break free. He describes their situation and the hopelessness of the situation. And then we read in verse 13, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. And what we see is that he brought them out of darkness. He broke their chains. He literally, he cut the prison bars in half. I love, I love what we read in verse 16. He shattered the jail doors. He shattered the doors of bronze that had them in captivity and he brought them out. But he doesn't stop there. We, we see another group of people. If you, pick up, if you pick up your reading in verse 17, and some of us identify with these people. These are the foolish people. Come on. I know, you got some fellow fools here with me, right? Who made some stupid decisions, even sinful decisions. And as a result, man, there were consequences. And what we see is even when they actually got to the point of death because of some of their stupidity, verse 19, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them. He delivered their, them from their destruction. I don't know if you're picking up a theme here, and if you haven't yet, I want you to, to look at this fourth group of people. These are the hopeless people. They find themselves in a situation, they're on, their life is like a, a, a storm. They're up high, they're down low. It, there's anxiety. Literally what we see, uh, what, what we see is that their, verse 26, their courage melted away in the plight in which they found themselves. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits end. What did they do? It's starting to sound familiar. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. And I love this. He shut the storm up. He hushed the waves and he brought them safely home. It's very interesting because there's three things that I see in, in all of these accounts. Number one, he said, if, if the Redeemer is going to tell the story, it begins with remembering where I was 
and who I was. Remembering what enslaved me, remembering my situation. And then there's a second part of this story in which we remember what took place when we cried out the Lord, when we had reached the end and we cried out and how God delivered. And then the third part of this is the celebration because every one of those accounts ends with an admonishment to the people to tell your story. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story because when we tell the story, God gets the glory. He's celebrated, he's praised. And so church, that's what this service is gonna be about. We're gonna sing, we're gonna praise, we're gonna pray. I'm even gonna preach a little. And we're gonna be hearing testimonies. Now, if you came in here and you sat on a seat and had one of these little white cards, I want you to hold on to that card because this card has a very important part of this service. So I'm gonna come back later and explain a little bit about this. But this morning, we're gonna be hearing a couple of video stories, and before it's all said and done, we're all gonna have a chance to be part of this, but I want you to listen to Lisa's story of what happened when she cried out to the Lord and how he showed up. My name is Lisa Lozano. I'm married to David Lozano. I have four children and six grandchildren. They live in California, and this is my testimony. I grew up in a very dysfunctional households. My grandparents raised me, um, and I would bounce back and forth between my mom and my grandparents, um, where physical abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse um, was, and alcoholism was very, very strong in the household. We also did have Christianity um, in the household, but that was more of a way to put us in check and in line. At the age of 15, I tried to commit suicide. Um, and after that, I ended up leaving home and got went out on my own. Um, got into the drug and the gang life and um, met a man and um, became emancipated. Had my first son before the age of 18 and lived in a very violent gang lifestyle with drugs and guns and just crazy, crazy lifestyle. So when I met David, <clears throat> I was homeless, living in my car, and I decided that it was time to do something different. My kids were with their father at this time, and uh, my oldest was in juvenile hall. So I decided I was gonna get a job. So I got a job at a winery where I met David and he was always kind, listening. I would talk about what's going on in my life and he was caring, you know, never had anybody listen. After I had split up from my ex, um, I ended up calling David. And same phone number, um, and we talked, and that's kind of how me and David got together. And he began to change my life. Little by little, he broke down walls that I had put up all of my life. 
I don't know how he got through them, but God wanted him down. And David was able to get through those walls. Well, I was thinking of getting my life back on track. My kid's father was um, terminally ill. He only had so much time to live. And I was still in my addictions and still living the lifestyle. I needed to make some money quick, so I decided I was gonna do something crazy. David told me not to go, and uh, I didn't listen. He stayed behind. I uh, ended up catching a case. That case was a 22 years to life. I ended up in prison. God turned my life around. I. Uh, he began to move in me and use me in prison. And when I came out of prison, most people tell you when you leave prison that you're just going to stop following God. But that wasn't true for me. I came out and I kept following God, kept seeking God. Uh, me and David were in a heated argument one day and I sat down on the couch and I just said, God, I'm going back to prison. I just don't know what to do anymore. We had no income. And I was like, God, I'm going back to prison and David's going back to his mom's house. If you don't do something, two, three minutes later, there's a knock at the door and there's a little man with a hat that says, um, walk with Jesus. And David opens the door and he tells me, Lisa, the door's for you. And we started going to church and we would go to church seven days a week. And that was when we got baptized, we got married, and God began to move in our lives so greatly. We were told from a friend that Grace Bible Church was a good church. So we got here on a Saturday night, and we showed up here Sunday morning. And we walk in through the front doors, and there's a man who is peeping through the crowds at us and we're thinking, okay, so this guy's just watching us because he knows we don't belong here. He comes over and he talks to us and he tells us that he wants to talk to us after service. Didn't click that he was the pastor until after he got up on the stage and started preaching. Me and David looked at each other and was like, whoa, that was a pastor that was talking to us. But the message he preached that day was God has a plan. And that whole message that Pastor Keith preached that day was so, so much of what we were looking for. I was getting ready to apply for another job and we were putting in our chapel paperwork so that we could do chapel at uh, Valley Women and Children's Shelter. And I put Leanne's card on my bed and went to go get ready. And as I'm getting ready, I'm praying, and God tells me that He wants me to apply at the shelter. After getting the job there, I started Celebrate Recovery with the women there. And God began to change me to where I could connect with women. I had a compassion. I fell for them. I fell for their, their the things they were going through the hurt that they were feeling, the things that they had experienced, because I'd been through all those things. And I love what I'm doing there with them. I love that they're hungry for God. 
and they're so eager to come to church all the time. Um, and they're just growing. They're growing and they're a big part of my life. God has placed something on our heart for the broken, the hurting. He's using our background to do these things. And we always say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And uh, through the years, God has just taught us. He's helped us with our hurts. He's helped us to listen and to grow and uh, be obedient most of all to when he's speaking to us. And I'm, I'm thankful and I'm glad where I'm at. I love Grace. <laughs> My name is Jason Moore, and uh, I'm married to my wife, Carrie. Uh, we moved to Nampa uh, about two years ago. Um, I retired from the Marine Corps uh, about two years ago. And um, I guess this is just kind of my story of, of what God has been doing in my life um, and just how blessed I am um, at this point in my life to have found grace and, and the family that, that is here. So uh, I grew up going to church. I uh, grew up in a very small town in uh, central Idaho called Mackey. Really, really tiny town. Um, very small church. Um, but uh, I came to know the Lord when I was young. Um, attended church regular um, every Sunday with, with mom and dad and, and my two sisters. And um, I always had a relationship with Christ. Um, but it took me a long time to really start living my life for the Lord. After high school, um, I, had, I attended a, a junior college and um, was just really struggling to find who I was and, and what I was. Um, I ended up making a lot of bad decisions and um, I kind of ended up getting in trouble uh, with law a little bit. And uh, I feel like um, God kind of blessed me unbeknownst to me at the time because um, the judge that I went in front of uh, happened to be a retired Marine. and. Um, he, he told me, he said, we can deal with this one or two ways. He said, you could look at, uh, you know, joining the service or we can deal with it in my court. Well, that was kind of an easy choice to me. Um, so the next day I went down to the recruiter's office and I signed my name and off to boot camp I went, um, kind of running from my problems. Very quickly, I found myself um, being in a, a deployment team uh, shortly after the events of 9-11. And um, in early uh, 2002, I was deployed to, to the Middle East um, for Operation Iraqi Freedom. Um, I spent uh, about uh, nine or 10 months um, in Iraq um, during the initial invasion of 2003. And um, um, uh, saw a lot of things, did a lot of things that, that were tough. And um, as I look back on it now, um, God was always with me. Shortly after 2003, came home and kind of immediately returned back in 2004 for another deployment. So it was kind of back-to-back -back deployments. Um, gone from home, gone a long time. Um, again, the second deployment was very similar to the first. Um, chaotic, um, a lot of combat, um, uh, lost a lot of close friends, um, and um, just kind of trying to process all that. Um, when I came back from my second deployment, um, I received orders to the East Coast, um, to, to a little small unit in Pennsylvania. And 
turned out to be the biggest blessing in my life um, because I, I met my wife in, in Pennsylvania. As soon as we got married, I got orders out to Hawaii. And it was kind of cool because my wife had never been out of Pennsylvania. And so we're young, we're in love, we get married and boom, off to, off to Hawaii we go. And um, we thought, man, we'd have like a three year honeymoon, you know, in Hawaii. And, um, but unbeknownst to us, um, I ended up getting deployed um, right after our first daughter, Haley, was born. Um, Haley was only about eight months old, and I got or I got a deployment order back to Iraq. That deployment was 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 really a difficult one. Um, um, I was in a different unit that that saw a lot more combat um, and a um, little tougher uh, deployment than than the first two. While I was in Iraq, um, uh, towards the very end of our deployment, uh, they informed us that uh, as soon as we got back home to Hawaii, we were gonna turn right around and deploy to, to Afghanistan. So that was a tough call to make home uh, to my wife. Uh, hey, I'm coming home in two months, but uh, we're turning around and, and deploying to, to Afghanistan. I was in Afghanistan uh, about eight months. Um, and uh, the, the the deployment in Afghanistan was was by far the, the toughest as far as um, uh, uh, losing friends, losing fellow fellow Marines, um, and uh, uh, just some really really difficult things that that me and, and my fellow uh, service members you know went through in Afghanistan. Then I got stationed on the East Coast again, um, and I got attached to a naval ship um, where uh, we deployed to the Middle East. And uh, I feel like that's where really uh, God really kind of showed up. Um, during that deployment, I ended up uh, getting injured and um, um, I had a, a severe spine injury. Um, and uh, I ended up having to have a couple of uh, back surgeries. Um, I had a spinal fusion done in my back. And um, during the recovery of that uh, back fusion, um, God really showed up. Um, by bringing somebody into my life that um, I just can't say enough how grateful I am for that person. Um, while I was laying in the hospital bed, um, a chaplain uh, by the name of Chuck Wright um, knocked on my door and asked if he could come in and, and pray with me. And I was kind of resistant, you know, I was just, okay, you know, sure, come on. I didn't, I didn't want to offend the old guy. <laughs> so he came in and he sat and he prayed with me and um, um, something, something struck. Something just kind of hit me between the, the eyes that, uh, you know, God really loves me and God has always loved me. And the cool thing about it was is that the next week, Chuck came back into my hotel, or my, I'm sorry, uh, the, the hospital room. And uh, he said, I don't know why, but God told me to come back in this room. God told me to come back in here and pray with you. And it was just like the lights turned on. And I knew that if that stranger loved God as much as I could tell he did, and he was willing to come back in that room with me and pray with me, that God had something bigger for me planned. When I retired from the Marine Corps, we decided to come back to Idaho and we found grace. Um, we bought a house two blocks away from the campus here. And uh, we just knew that this is where God wanted us to be. And it has been nothing but blessing after blessing after blessing since then. So I guess 
That's my story. <laughs> Can we give God thanks for what he's done in Lisa's life and Jason's life? Willingness to, to share. You know, I want to come back to Psalm 107 because I'm convinced that everybody in this room has a story. I'm convinced that, that every one of us have a story. Now, obviously, we can only show so many videos, but the reality is we all have a story. There's three elements that, that really stand out to me. Here's who I was. Here's where I was. Here's what happened when I cried out to God, how God moved, and then it's a sharing of the story. You know, at the beginning of, of, of Psalm 107, we're encouraged to give thanks to the Lord, to tell our story as redeemed. But the story doesn't end where I left off as there's the account given of the four groups of people, you know, the, the rebellious, the foolish, the wandering, the hopeless now, we're introduced to a vision of God, and I just want to say something, because I have a feeling that just as every person in this room that, that, that is redeemed, they, they have a story to share. I'm also convinced of the fact that there are a lot of people that are here today that you're in the middle of the story, and you haven't seen the end. There, there's not the period. We haven't finished the chapter. You don't know what's on the other side. But in all honesty, when Psalm 107 was written, these were people that were getting ready to build. They weren't, they, they didn't know how their story was gonna, gonna turn out as well. But yet they were called to thank God in the midst of this. And, and, and so I would say this, even if you're here today and, and, and God's still writing that story, I wanna give you some hope. Because the way the psalmist ends this, he says in verse 33, he said, God is a God who can turn rivers into a desert. He actually, for those who are sinners, they think they've got it all controlled. He's like, no, I can actually turn that upside down. Turn rivers into a desert, turn springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty, uh, salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. But then on the other hand, church, here's what I love. He can turn a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. There he will let the hungry dwell. They establish a city to live in. This is what these guys needed to hear as they're rebuilding. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly. He does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless waste. But I love this. He raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad. And I underline this little phrase in my Bible. And all wickedness shuts its mouth. Like, I like that line. You know, wickedness can shut its mouth in the face of a God who's able to do the impossible. Do you believe this morning that we serve a God who's able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think? A God who is able to do the impossible. Is that who we're praising this morning? I am convinced that every person in this room has a story. But you know, just as the psalm begins with let the redeemed of the Lord share their story, it ends with this verse, verse 43, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. And what, that, that whole attend, it, it literally means listen to this and act on this. Let him attend to these things. Let them consider. Let them dwell on. Let them remember the steadfast love of the Lord. 
Now here's the deal. Everybody has a story. And so I'm gonna do something I've, well, I was gonna say I've never done it before. I did it in the 8.30 service, but, but here's the deal, all right? We're, we're gonna do something. We've, we've ne- this is the first day I've ever done anything like this, and you can either leave me hanging or you can actually be part of this, all right? So here's, here's the thing. I want us to give a very quick te- testimony, and here's what we're gonna do. We're going to stand if what I say applies to you, okay? So you're gonna testify if this is me and I'm gonna go back because all of us can find our story somewhere here in Psalm 107. We were either a wanderer, we were rebellious, we were foolish, or we were helpless and hopeless and God showed up. We called out and God moved us. So if you can give God praise, what you're gonna do, you might not say a word, but when you stand up, you're going to give a testimony. So here's, and by the way, like if you fit more than, you can remain standing for everyone that applies to you, okay? So the first thing is this. If you were a person who was isolated, you were without God, you were without friends, you were in exile, you were wandering, and God gave you roots, God gave you a family, he brought you home, I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up and and testify to what God has done. Yeah, come on. Let's just celebrate, guys, what God has done. Woo! Okay, I've got somebody, okay, listen, if you were rebellious, you were not running to God, you were running from God. And God, in his grace, in his mercy, not because of what you had done, but because of his goodness toward you, saved you and set you free, would you stand up? And let's celebrate what God has done in setting the captive free. Okay, there might be somebody else here today. You were foolish. Come on, man. I know somebody besides me. I'd be standing right here. You were foolish and God even saved you from the consequences of your foolishness and in your grace and his grace and mercy gave you a future. If that's you, would you stand and give God praise for what he's done? Come on, guys. Woo! Last but not least, if you found yourself in a situation that was utterly hopeless, you didn't know where you were at, the storm was wild, and you didn't think you were gonna make it through, and you called out, and God hushed the waves. He said, be still, and he showed up, and he brought you to safety through your anxiety, through your depression, yet he did a work in the middle of that, and you wanna give God praise, would you stand to your feet? Let's celebrate what God has done here today. Praise God. Let him who is wise attend to these things. Let us consider the steadfast love of the Lord. You may be seated. I want the choir to sing a song. And guys, as they're singing this song, man, you can sing along, you can stand up, you can dance, you can do whatever you wanna do. But here's the thing. I want us to remember the steadfast love of the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story.